And welcome back to the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show. Today we are joined by Mr. Jim Chapman of Farrell Calhoun Paint. Good morning, sir. Welcome Good to the show. Good morning. Uh, how are you today? I'm perfect. <laughs> Sun's shining and people are painting, McKee. Good, good. That's good. We uh, <clears throat> appreciate you joining us this morning. Excuse me for <laughs> clearing my throat there. We, uh, unlike the morning show, we are just going to jump right into it today. Uh, going to ask you first to tell us, uh, you know, you told us a little bit about yourself on the morning show. Now let's hear a lot about you, you know, family, friends, what you like to do for fun, that kind of thing. Tell us all about it. All right. So, uh, um, Obviously, I'm a, a 20-year guy at Farrell Calhoun Paint Company. Uh, I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I married into the Denham Springs community. Uh, my wife was a lifelong, is a lifelong resident of Denham Springs. Her father was a prominent member of the business community here. He owned several grocery stores in the area. These were AG food stores. So if, if uh, you're familiar with Rod's Grocery, that was her daddy. Uh, Holden's Supermarket was another one of his uh, grocery stores, among others, over the years. Uh, he eventually sold those uh, to Gerard Landry, actually, uh, uh, many, uh, many years ago. Um, but just a great family. I fell in love with all of them. And uh, as we discussed prior, uh, ladies here in, in the Livingston Parish are, are really, really ladies, men, whatever. They're very family oriented and they're not going to leave Livingston Parish, especially a woman when she gets married. She wants to stay at home. So, that, uh, the, you know, her husband's got to come here. And that was a great thing for me because as we dated, I really fell in love with the Livingston Parish community. And so it was a great transition for me. I've actually lived here now longer than I lived in Baton Rouge, so over half my life. So I consider myself a non-transplant anymore. Once you hit that halfway point, to me, you're a, you're a Livingston Parish guy. Oh, yeah, you're you're a native. I'm a native. <laughs> you've, you've gone through a lot of the big things that have happened here anyway. Yes, yes. So, you know, uh, quick about your family. You know, your yeah. Kids and stuff so like I have that. I have uh, three children, three lovely children, uh, twin girls that are fourteen years old. They attend Denham Springs Freshman High. My son is sixteen, also attends Denham Springs, but he's at the regular high school. Uh, all three are active in the band. I have a, a music community in my household. Every night, I got a I got a, a flute that just plays like crazy. Uh, I've got a flag core girl throwing flag all over the place and uh, my son plays saxophone so I'm a very lucky guy oh wow a lot of uh, a lot of wind instruments there. yes, yes. Uh, so you know what do you, what do you do for fun for fun well LSU football like everybody every other good you know southern guy uh, and gal we love our LSU football uh, I love to uh, to participate in that I collect believe it or not I'm, I'm a coin collector I like to collect uh, okay. coins uh, I do a lot of reading. I enjoy reading history. Military history is a big thing. My family has a, a pretty long lineage of military uh, uh, service and, and history. So uh, I enjoy reading that in my spare time as well. But even in my spare time, I'm such a paint geek. I like to read about paint, too. I know it's horrible. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes you a better self right? <laughs> Yeah, well, definitely knowledgeable. That's for sure. <laughs> So, you know, you're talking about that. You're talking about being a paint geek, but you didn't start there. No. You know, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your your humble beginnings, if you will. Well, uh, you know, uh, as we talked about earlier, I got married and um, we were in a situation where uh, we 
we just bought a house. Um, we didn't have any children. Uh, so, it, you know, back then, six twenty-five an hour for, for me was good money. I mean, that we could live off that. Right. You know, uh, uh, so um, my wife was, had just started a woman's hospital. And, uh, and I was in car sales at that time. And I was actually making decent money. Um, I was successful with it, um, ended up getting promoted to an F&I manager and was really, really making some good bucks. Um, the problem were the hours. Uh, I was working what we call bell to bell. So that was like eight o'clock in the morning till probably 10, 11 o'clock at night um, every day. But but Sundays. And that was uh, that was something when I was young back then I could do. I had no problem with doing it. Um, however, uh, when you're first married and you're not seeing your your, your spouse, uh, that can cause uh, an issue. Not that we had a major issue or anything, but that could cause an issue. And, and I missed my wife and I wanted to be at home at night as much as possible. So I made a career change. It was a strange career change because I went way down what I was making um, to work and help a friend of mine who owned a smoothie business. And it was smoothies and, and like health food supplements and stuff like that. He needed some help running that store. And I went to help him and in that process, I would meet customers constantly. And one of the customers that I met was uh, our district manager or our former district manager at Farrell Calhoun. My friend comes up and he says, man, I met a girl. I'm moving to like Iowa or somewhere and uh, and I'm closing the, the store. And, I, and so you need to start looking for a job. And uh, I said, OK, <laughs> that was kind of out of the blue. It was like I had a month. And, and so these customers would come in. And I would just tell them, look, we're shutting down in like a month. He's not going to renew his lease. And so I'm going to I'm going to find something else. And uh, that particular district manager said, why don't you work for me? I said, well, uh, I don't know anything about paint. He said, oh, we can teach paint. You got a brain. That's what we need. We need someone with a brain. I said, well, I do have a brain. And so uh, uh, off we go. I go home. I tell my wife I've been offered a job at Farrell Calhoun Paint. She looked at me like I had three heads and said, who is Farrell Calhoun Paint? I said, well, they're a paint company. She said, Jim, you don't know nothing about paint. And I said, uh, I know. But they're paying money. And right now, I don't have a job as of next month. So I'm going to take it, and I'm going to take it until something better comes along. Now, I had some irons in the fire, and there were all kinds of things I could do. But at that point in my life, I was more about discovering myself and figuring out what I wanted to do. I didn't want to jump into corporate America right away, which is what I had my eye on at that time. I wanted to do some things while I could because I knew there was a time I would have kids. I knew there was a time I would have major bills, and I wouldn't be able to explore all my options. So, um, so that's, that period of my life was more about finding myself. And so I jumped into Farrell Calhoun Paint thinking this is just kind of a go between till I find a real job. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, uh, almost 20 years ago here. I sit today with Farrell Calhoun Paint and it's funny how life, I think about this all the time. Life sometimes throws you things that if you take advantage of them, you look back in 20 years and you wonder how lucky you were to make that decision. That was such a small, slight part of my life that I thought would never pan out to anything other than a go-between. And it has been one of the best things that ever happened to me was that moment right there in that store when I said, yeah, I work for Farrell County. But well, and, you know, obviously over a 20-year period, Clearly, they do something right because they've kept, you know, somebody like you, talented, smart, driven. So 
you know, in the morning show, we talked about what does Farrell Calhoun do differently? And, and you gave one example, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it in a second. Sure. But you also said that you were willing to go a little more in depth with it. So yes. we're going to ask you to do that, too. So start off with what you talked about in the morning show, which is focused on that, you know, really servicing the customer in all aspects. And then let's get into a couple other things. Like, for example, we're going to talk a little bit about those specialty paints, too. Yeah. Uh, well, as we discussed in the morning show, everything in our company starts with service. So Farrell Calhoun, for those that don't know, is a family-owned company. We're based out of Memphis, Tennessee. We have three stores locally, uh, two in Baton Rouge, one in Livingston Parish right here in Denham Springs. Uh, And then we have a location in New Orleans, and we have a location in Lafayette. We have two locations playing on the books that will hopefully open next, uh, well, 2020, some point 2020. We'll talk about that. But but as of, you know, The thing that builds Farrell Calhoun isn't necessarily the name recognition. That's probably the biggest hurdle I face. We fight against a a conglomerate of billion-dollar industries out there that are worldwide. And you, you know the names. Everybody knows the names. But uh, so we have to have ways to compete. One of the ways in which we compete is our service. Um, We will flat out do things that other paint companies either won't do or are not willing to do. For example, I'm a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week rep. It is not rare for me to get a phone call at 8 o'clock at night from XYZ Painting, and they done forgot the color. They're supposed to paint the house the next day. Well, that's where I come in because I'm an ultra-organized rep. It's only my weaknesses that make me ultra-organized because I know that if I don't write something down and I don't file it, I will forget it, and I'm also very paranoid when it comes to how I'm handling my customers. So if you trust me with your with with your pain aspect of your job, I want to make sure I don't let you down. So everything I do goes in a file, uh, both both in my computer and a a hard copy uh, that I carry around with me. And uh, and I can be anywhere in the world and I can pull out that file and tell you that color. But that's that's an aspect of service that you're going to get from not only Farrell Calhoun, but from me specifically that you're not going to find really anywhere else. Or it's rare for for sure. Um, Farrell Calhoun, from a company standpoint, uh, we we staff our our stores with full time guys. The biggest complaint I hear about many competitors is I went in the, their paint store and there was two guys there that 20 years old uh, and I asked them what type of paint should I use on my trim and they had to call somebody to get me the answer. We don't we don't have that problem at Farrell County Paint. All of our guys, all of our guys have pretty much a minimum of 10 years experience, most of them 20 years experience in the paint business. So we staff full-time guys that want to do this for life. This is not a go-between job for them, even though it kind of was for me at one point or so, I thought. Um, most of our guys retire from Farrell Calhoun Paint, and I would say probably better than 80%. Um, you go and you just never leave because of the company. But from the service aspect, what the customer is getting is a lot of experience. They're getting someone they can walk in that door and walk out knowing that the paint they got was correct for their service. 
And that, that is something that requires a lot of science and knowledge. If you put a wall paint on a, tr- on a piece of trim, will it stick? Yes. Will it hold up? Likely not. I don't care whose paint it is. got to give them the right paint for their circumstance. If you've got four kids, you don't want to put something on your walls that is the same coating that you put on there if it's just a husband and wife and they're retired and they never touch the wall. They can get away with a flat finish, but you don't want a flat finish when you got four kids in the house touching the walls and you have to wipe them down every day because if you're like me, your kids get chocolate on their hands and everything else. They're touching walls and it's just embedding in that paint film if you don't have the right finish on there. Well, and that's something that, uh, you know, we've talked about before, but, uh, and that would be that, uh, you know, there, there's a, uh, there's definitely a, a, a mixing element to the ownership and their ability to, to service that. But before we get into that, I want to take a step back and focus on something that you talked about and, and we touched on it in the morning show, which is that sense of pride yeah. that you're talking about in these stores. You know, I, I've walked into your Denim Springs location. Two guys were there, both of them very friendly, came up, shook my hand, asked, you know, asked me my name, all that good, great stuff. Uh, and even went so far as to be the ones to to do the mixing. And 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 I want you to talk about this when we're talking uh, through this part of the segment. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely whatever comes down from one high, they instill a sense of pride in that store, in that location. Correct. Tell us about that. It's a corporate culture. And tell us about that. It really is. Uh, it, we want our paint stores to be like a coffee shop. And it, and it legitimately is. There's a lot of guys that come in our paint store that are retired painters. They don't even paint anymore. We have four or five of them that go in that Denim Springs location that have not painted in 10 years, but they bought paint from us their whole lives, you know, as they were working. And they go in there and they drink two cups of coffee and they sit around and we all talk and they leave. And they go, they go back home and, and uh, do whatever it is they do. Uh, painters will go in there and they're picking up paint and that paint might be ready. And it's 20 minutes of sitting in that store, just sitting there talking LSU football, what's going on in the paint world. You know, uh, can I get some t-shirts, whatever, whatever it is. And, and uh, so that's a culture that we have developed with our employees where everybody in there are friends. Um, uh, from a company standpoint, it, it, what what Fair Calhoun does is we take care of our employees to where they never want to leave by offering things like a profit sharing program. Fair Calhoun contributes. Uh, it, you know, we don't have a four hundred one k where you we match up to three percent of what you put in and those sorts of things. We do it even better. What Fair Calhoun does is we have a profit sharing plan where every year that we turn a profit, which we have turned one since nineteen eighty one, I think. No. Um, every year that we turn a profit, and that's since the new owners bought the company from the existing owners. When, every year that we turn a profit, we give a, an amount of that profit back to the employees. Um, last year, our profit sharing, we contributed 15.8% of profit, which is higher than any other Fortune 500 company in the world to our employees. It equated to almost $2 million they put in a profit sharing plan and gave back to the employees. So if you're a 28-year-old guy, McGee, and you're working for us, and we tell you in December, which is typically when this comes out, hey, we're going to take 15% of your pay, and we're going to put it in an account for you, and you can have it. It's yours. After five years, you're vested. And if you quit the company, if you buy a house, uh, there's certain ways you can take that money out and use that money. Otherwise, it sits in there till you retire. And that's why our probably average retirement age is under the age of 60 years old with Farrell County Paint. That is unheard of 
for a family owned company. It's unheard of for corporate companies now. Yeah. Very rare. And we have been over 15% uh, uh, contribution to our profit sharing plan probably for at least 10 years. That's um, impressive. It's it's unbelievable. And it goes to, to me, it speaks to the unselfishness of our company. They care about their employees. Farrell Calhoun's owners will be the first ones to tell you we are successful because of the people we put in those stores and the people we hire. And uh, the paint, the paint can be great, McHugh. It can be the best paint ever made. If you don't have employees in there pushing that product and explaining to people the difference, uh, you're not going to be successful. Well, let's talk about that. You got those employees in there. And, you know, we're going to get into the individual paints in just a second, but want to talk about something that you you brought up in the morning show, which is a Ph.D. in mixology. So you guys do manual tinting. Tell us tell us about that process and tell us why. Okay, I'm going to dive into that. So if you go in a typical uh, paint store. Uh, nowadays, you're going to see electric tint machines. Electric tint machines are great. You can slide a gallon of paint under it. You you know you type in the color, and it just goes and shoots all three colors in there at once. Takes about ten seconds. You pull it out. You mix it. It's done. We uh we we use manual tint machines. There are several reasons for this. The first reason is the accuracy of a manual tint machine. If McHugh comes in there and he gets two gallons of paint for his for his bedroom and he paints those two gallons and he runs about a quart short, he comes back, he says, man, I need, I need another gallon. Um, I'm a little bit short. And I tint that with a manual tint machine. He's going to be able to keep on going and you'd never know it. You'd never know he ran out of paint. With an electric tin machine, the problem is that you don't have consistency from can to can. So you have to, and we recommend you do this as well, but you have to box your paint and hope you don't run out. Um, if you run out, you go back, you're probably going to get what we call picture framing where you can see where you stopped and see where you started again. Uh, uh, and that's bad. That's mm. not a good, you know, you might as well put another coat of paint on the wall. That's the only way you're going to fix that. Um, so we do those manual tint machines, but there's other reasons we use them as well. When those break down, it's a fix of replacing a canister. You know, the canister seals might have might have worn out. So you price canister, it's a hundred bucks. When an electric tint machine breaks, it's about a two thousand to ten thousand dollar fix. Right, and they do break often. Um, so from a company standpoint, that enables us to sell you paint cheaper because we don't have that overhead cost of those electric tint machines, but Beside all that, all that beside the point, with a manual temp machine, your employees learn to match by eye. So when you bring in a color and it requires a little bit of yellow and a little bit of green, a little bit of blue, we're sitting there, we're tinting that color and we're learning that green and yellow, you know, combined make this color. And and red, if something comes in and it's too red and you shoot a little green in it, it kills the red. It takes a little bit of that red away. And you only learn those things by manually tinting because if a computer's doing it, you never see the color go in the can. The advantage to that is we can match any color in the world perfectly. Uh, and we can do it by eye. Yes, we have a computer, a, a $25,000 matching computer that we put an eye on there and we push a button and it matches it. And it's it's great. And it's identical to what the customer is looking for. However, if that machine breaks, we can still 
we can still take that gallon of paint and match it and never miss a beat. Uh, and that's very important to us. That's how much knowledge those guys in the stores have when it comes to matching colors. We can do that with stain and we can do that with paint. So if you have a stained door and you bring it in and you say, look, my cabinet door broke. This is my other cabinet door. Can you match this to make it match my first cabinet door that I'm replacing? There are very few paint companies that I know of not only in Livingston Parish, but in, in the state, that you can take that cabinet door to Feral Calhoun Paint and it will match perfectly your other cabinet doors. We do all of that by eye. How, how, how valuable is that? After the flood of 2016, I cannot tell you how many cabinet doors we match. People were keeping their uppers, but they replaced their lowers. So right. what was happening was they came in with a cabinet door from their upper and they said, okay, we've got a whole new cabinet, doors and body, and we need to match this to our uppers. We did it. We made that happen. I was told more than once we were the only paint company that they could bring their cabinets to and we could make that happen. Otherwise, they were tearing everything out because it just didn't match. Right. So... A lot of this stuff, a lot of these best practices, a lot of the customer service comes down from, you know, I'm going to use the term brain trust, which is the ownership of the company. You're talking about uh, three kids and a dad. Three of them have chemistry degrees. One of them a PhD. I'm going to let you go into all that. The other one who's involved has a teaching degree, but she's still very involved. Very involved. Uh, So tell us a little bit about ownership. And then, you know, we're going to take what you tell us and we're going to start talking about you individually. Paints. Okay, so Jack Ward is the the president of Faro Calhoun Paint. He would be the CEO and president. He bought the company back in 1976, and I just want to touch a little bit on Mr. Ward. Uh, Mr. Ward went to the original owner, who was Mr. Farrell. I believe it's Thomas Farrell, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And back in that time, he was working for a large paint manufacturer, and he was their head chemist. And he had a dream. He wanted his own paint company. However, there was a problem back in 1976, and that was the oil embargo. The oil embargo started, and one of the rules of the oil embargo was if you did not already have a paint manufacturing company, you could not buy the resin to start a paint manufacturing company. All of that was on allocation. So they weren't allowed. You could you could start a manufacturing company, but you couldn't get oil. They wouldn't sell it to you. Right. So the only way that he could start that company was to go to an existing manufacturer who already had rights and, and buy their company, essentially. So he goes in and he, and he had heard through the grapevine that Mr. Farrell was looking to sell. Um, Mr. Farrell had passed this down to his son, also Mr. Farrell. And this guy was kind of a partier. And at that point, Farrell Cahoon had dwindled down to it was like two or three stores in Memphis. And that was basically the extent of their territory. But they made a great gallon of paint. They had great formulations. And he had some formulations he wanted to then incorporate. And so he went, talked to him, and the guy spit out a number that was ridiculous. And um, he basically said, well, let me look around your warehouse, just kind of see what equipment you have. And now this is how smart Mr. Ward was. In his mind, he said, I'm going to walk through that warehouse and I'm going to look at all his raw material. And I know what this raw material costs. I know what I can sell it for if this doesn't work out. And so I'm going to add up in my head all his equipment and all his raw material. And that's going to be my offer. And that way, maybe I can't lose. 
So he walked around that warehouse. He calculated all of this in his head. He went to Mr. Farrell and he said, look, I'll offer you X, Y, Z amount. And he took it. And he took it on a handshake, McHugh. And those handshake deals would never happen anymore. But back then, he took it on a handshake deal. And Farrell Calhoun was so successful that first year Mr. Ward uh, owned the company that they had to take out a loan to pay the taxes. <laughs> um, so uh, just an amazing story. Uh, fast forward, uh, back in 1981, we became completely debt-free. He had paid off all the loan for the taxes and some other loans he took out to get it going. And we started getting in the black, and we were, uh, we were really growing. We had grown to about 20, I think it was 25 stores when I started. We now have 44. Um, in that time, Anthony Ward, who was the vice president of sales and my my boss, uh, works in the company. That's his son. Um, and Derek Ward is the vice president of production. That's his other son. Julie, uh, Julie Ward is the uh, architect manager for us. Uh, she has a teaching degree, uh, was a teacher for a while. Anthony Ward actually worked in a paper mill for a while, and Derek Ward actually worked for a competing paint company for a while that we're friends with, another regional paint company. And there's a reason for that, and here's the key to how this family thinks. Mr. Jack Ward did not want his sons jumping right into the paint business with him. He wanted them to know what it was like to work for somebody else. He thought that was very important. He would not allow them to work for us other than part-time when they're in high school. Mm. But when they got out in the real world and they wanted a real job, he, he, he wanted them to go work for somebody else first and know what it's like because he knew that you're going to be running a company and everybody's going to be working for you. And you need to know what it's like to work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And true story there. That's strong. That's rare. Um, so, to talk about degrees, Mr. Jack Ward has a degree in chemistry uh, from Notre Dame and a uh, PhD from Florida. Anthony Ward has a degree from Vanderbilt. So obviously he's super smart. Um, and it's fu it's funny. He has his chemistry degree, but he doesn't use it. He's the vice president of sales, and he says he's glad he don't use it. Uh, <laughs> Derek Ward is a vice president of production and also a chemist. He formulates a lot of our paints. Uh, he graduated from LSU. Julie Ward, same way, graduated from LSU as a teacher, and she is now our architect rep, does a fantastic job, and they they are really the pillar of our company and the reason our employees work there. Great family. So let's talk about those chemistry degrees because mm -hmm. it gives you all a chance to focus on individual paints that are appropriate for different situations. And you and I kind of got to talking about this. I mean, you, you brought up, you know, maybe retired versus kids, but I mean, there's even, you have outdoor brick, outdoor wood, outdoor stucco, that kind of thing, indoor wood, you know, all yeah. of these different kinds of paints that are formulated in-house by these folks who are chemists. So tell us a little bit about how that kind of gives you an edge. Yes, it really does. And I'm going to talk about one in particular that we just released one this past year. It's called DuraShield. And um, uh, our competitors had similar products for outside that were were similar, uh, you know, pretty good paints. 
And so our chemists were getting gallons of this and breaking it down, kind of seeing what's in it. And then we would paint it out and we would say, what do we like about this product and what do we not like? There were, there were some things that we liked, but there were some some issues with uh, with some competitors' products that we wanted to change because they, they just weren't performing like a feral cane paint can would perform. They had some sag issues and things like that. And so we came out with this DuraShield product. And the reason we came out with it was the trend right now in the paint world is painting your exterior brick. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a big deal. Um, and it looks great. My, my brick is painted. Uh, the issue is you have some issues with algae uh, growing from the grass up on the brick, and you'll see that with a lot of houses. You'll see maybe like a two-foot section. The, the green, it's the green algae that's kind of growing around there. And, and the reason for that is a lack of an algicide. Algicide and mildicide are different. Mildicide kills the black. Algicide kills the green. So algicide's killing everything from the ground up. Mildicide's killing that surface mildew that, you know, trees blow mold spores onto the paint film. They attach, and there's minerals in that paint that that, that mildew actually feeds off of, and it grows, and that's what causes, causes mildew. It's really not a paint issue. It has nothing to do with paint. Mildew just attaches to what it attaches to, and paint is a great thing for it to attach to, and paint has mildicide, um, excuse me, minerals in it that, that cause that to grow. Now, you can put mildicides in a paint, but mildicides only last so long. The the premium mildicides, after about two and a half, three years, they, they evaporate, just like everything else in the paint. They have a lifespan. Cheaper mildicides don't even last a year. I mean, they'll evaporate real quick. Um, so, we came out with this product that has a a mildicide and an algicide in it. So it not only kills the stuff that grows from the bottom, but it kills the surface uh, the surface mildew, and it has the best mildicide you can possibly put in it. So you're going to get that life out of it that is, uh, that is you know, technically the longest life you're going to get out of any paint can uh, as far as that mildicide protection. Not only that, but this product can be built up like eight mils thick. What that means is you can spread it out as if you're spreading two coats of paint at once and it won't sag. It just, it'll just sit there. It will dry that way, which enables you to get two coats out of one, basically. What does that mean to a painter? Well, that means that his labor bill is going to be less to your you, the homeowner. So it's going to cost you, the homeowner, less to use that product because the, the painter is not going to charge you for two coats. So I'm going to charge you for one. Now, two coats is always great because that's maximum protection. You're going to get everything out of it. And, but you can certainly do one heavy coat, and it's going to perform the way you want it to. It is really an innovative product. There is nothing else like it on the market. Market. And the greatest thing about it, McHugh, it's going to cost about 30 bucks a gallon for a contract. And we've talked about those competitive prices, and we're going to get into that after we take a quick, quick break. We're going to talk more specifically about price and about your sales process, get into you individually in Frail Calhoun, and then we're going to talk about your award. We will be right back. Appreciate you joining us today. 
So we began talking about Feral Calhoun and how Feral Calhoun is different uh, as a paint company and how they, you know, change it up and are different and that sort of thing. Now, let's talk about you, Jim yes. Chapman. What are some of the things that, you know, as a paint sales rep that you do differently? And you, you touched on this a little bit in the morning show, but we'd like for you to go in a little more detail. Sure. Uh, so as we talked about in the morning show, um, I saw many years ago uh, that realtors had it right. They were promoting themselves uh, as well as the company they work for. What what I what I seek in Livingston Parish is to have a good tie in there between who I am and who Farrell Calhoun is. Um, and the reason for that is I I wanted to separate what I offer from that of what another sales rep from a, a maybe another competitor might offer, but also the fact that. You know, with Feral Cahoon paint, you get me. Now, some people might say, I don't want Jim. I just want the paint. But um, but there's a lot of intricacies to what I do that hopefully, uh, and, you know, uh, history has shown, uh, a painter benefits from. I am very uh, uh, educated in the paint world. Um, I spend a ton of time focusing on the science of paint. So I read a lot of articles. I look at a lot of tests. I do a lot of my own independent studies. I'll paint out test boards with a competitor's product on one side and our product on another side. I'll sit it in my backyard for two years and then I'll pull it back up and I'll make notes of the differences. Um, and then I'll put those in my car. And when I'm calling on a customer and, and that particular customer might be using uh, a competitor's product, uh, I'll pull that test board out and I'll show them the difference after two years between those if it's an exterior, for example, and, and we're looking at the mildew difference. Um, also, from an aspect of, of myself and what I bring to the paint world is I try to promote myself through social media, which they, then in turn promotes a painter or, or a particular business. Um, the, the way I do that is I'm very active on Facebook with, with talking about, you know, I'll do a little podcast similar to this, where I talk about application of paint coatings, things that homeowners may not uh, be aware of that are, that are products they can use for a particular issue that they're having. I find that when um, a homeowner or even a painter comes into a store, a painter's job from his aspect is to apply that paint. A painter can make a paint work to their to their benefit. In other words, they want it to spread out a certain way. They don't want it to splatter when they roll it on a wall. And they they know which paints are good for that, which are not. And they also know how to make that work to where they can they can kind of keep that paint from splattering on them. That's a believe it or not, paint splatter is a big issue with painters. Um, I am the science guy, so I'm the guy, the difference between me and the painting contractor is I'm the guy that the painting contractor comes to when he's trying to figure out the science of what's going on. Usually he'll come to me and he'll say, look, I've got a homeowner, for example, and and uh, their paint's peeling on their trim, and I don't know why. I did everything right, and I need you to come look at it. And I'll go look at it, and I will diagnose that issue. But the advantage to me is I won't only diagnose the issue, I, would, I will give you the answer and how to fix it. That's the difference between me and a lot of my competitors. I have a lot of experience, McHugh. I'm 45 years old. I've been selling paint for nearly 20 years, and I have seen 
pretty much all of it at one time or another. Uh, and I have learned from that. So what I bring to the table is if you have an issue, I'm not only going to tell you why you have the issue. I'm also going to tell you how to fix it. That's the most important thing. Most people could care less that the reason uh, their pain is bubbling on the outside of their house is because over there by their shutter, they have a caulk that has shrunk and that water's got behind the paint film and just pulled it out. You know, the sun pulls moisture out of a surface. It causes it to bubble. And it's funny, you go up to the bubble and you pull it and water pours out of it. But I'm not just going to tell you that part because you don't care about that part. What you care about is how do I fix it Mm -hmm. and keep it from happening again? Well, you got to caulk all around this shutter and that's going to keep that that, you know, paint from kind of dripping down the line of that shutter and, and getting behind that paint film and causing it to bubble. And that's where the advantage to me is a lot of paint reps today don't know the solution. Some of them know the problem. Now, there's some out there that do, but most are new in the business. They're younger guys. They're 25 years old. They're full of, full, full of vinegar. And um, what they're going out there to do is just open accounts left and right. And that's great. And we all have to do that. And I was at a point in my life where that's all I did. But at some point, you've got to learn the science behind that paint. And I can guarantee you I know the science behind that paint. Tell us a little bit about your your sort of early sales work you were yeah. just talking about opening accounts and how you've kind of grown as a salesperson. Yeah. So when I first started, uh, I had a, a small territory. Uh, it was a big territory, but I had taken it over from another rep who had kind of ran that territory down a little bit to where it was producing about 20,000 in business. So they hand me, I don't know, it might've been 50 accounts or something. They said, here, here's the leftover accounts the guy had. Um, we need you to go out there and build this. And um, and so I was calling on the customers that he had, letting them know, hey, I'm I'm your new sales rep, Jim. Most of them knew me because I was managing the paint store and, uh, and before I went to outside sales. But I would call on these guys and kind of find out what the issue was. Why did you quit buying paint? And um, and a lot of it was the frequency they were seeing the rep, the 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 ability uh, to get him on the phone. Those sorts of things were frustrating. And competitors, their reps were visiting him. They were giving him T-shirts. They were talking to him and, and offering him good deals. And so uh, through that, I I tried to build faith with these guys and bring them on board. But when I was young and and in the paint business. Uh, one of the things I did was I traveled to every subdivision I could and everywhere I'd see a ladder in the back of the truck, I was stopping. These new residential, I wasn't going on people's private property, but if it was a new residential subdivision, they were building houses, I was stopping in there and I was talking to painters. Uh, within my first five years at Farrell, I had won the most new accounts for the entire company twice. Um, one year, I think I opened up 170 accounts in one year. The other year was right at 125 or something like that. Um, and then I was consistently doing between 70 and 100 accounts. So that was uh, my first five years of selling was a lot of work. And I loved every bit of it. It didn't seem like work to me. It was life to me. It was how I ate, McHugh. Mm-hmm. And and uh, if I wasn't out there and I wasn't calling on these guys and opening these accounts, uh, I, you know, I, my pocketbook was suffering in a way. And I knew that. And so that was what I did. I worked very, very hard to build that. So at some point, it became... Okay, I can, you know, you never want to use the term sit back, but but there's points in your sales career where you kind of change gears. You've got one part, one aspect of that 
and it's and it's it's working. It's it's uh it's building. Then you've got another aspect that you've not focused on that you need to. And for me, that was that was market the marketing aspect of things. Everybody knows Farrell Cahoon doesn't market like some of these larger companies. That's why you can walk in our paint store and get our paint cheaper than you can anywhere else. It's not because it's a worse paint. It's not because it's a cheap paint. It's because we don't we don't put an advertisement on the back of Yankee Stadium. You know, we don't sponsor uh, the 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 New Orleans Saints Superdome. You know, we we uh, we're not against that. We just we would have to sell our paint uh, pretty pretty high in order to do that. That's why our competitors are so much higher in cost than we are. It has nothing to do with quality and everything to do with their advertising budget. They have to get that money back somewhere, and that's that's priced in a gallon of their paint. So I, I saw a marketing need that um, really only I could feel here locally. Um, and I had to do it on the cheap. And on the cheap was Facebook. And on the cheap was Instagram. And on the cheap was YouTube. And I started doing little things like that. And I also joined some organizations that where I can market with other business people, the chamber being one of those. I, you know, I joined the chamber for a couple of reasons. I'm a grassroots guy. My company is a grassroots company. We're made in the USA. We're proud of that. Um, you will not find a company vehicle that we own that is not a Ford or a Chevy. Nothing against any other type of vehicle. It's just our company belief is we want to buy everything we can that is a made in the USA product. And I know that's kind of these days, you know, hit or mess with some of these companies, but but uh, it's a belief system that we have that we want to support that. And uh, even down to our paint can openers, you flip over our paint can openers and it says made in the USA on it. Uh, those are not as cheap as some you could get that were made in maybe China. But uh, but it's if we're going to promote the fact that we're made in the USA, it wouldn't be very right for us to use paint can openers that were made in China because we're not practicing what we preach. That's a belief from our company's perspective, and it's an also, also a belief from my perspective. So everything that I do, I try to be grassroots about. The Chamber, for me, uh, is a company that, that you know, they lobby for new biz, uh, for small business. And we may not be considered a small business. I fight this battle all the time because some people will say, well, you're not a small business. You're in nine states. You have 45 stores. And from a revenue standpoint, we're not considered a small business. We, we have a $49 million a year revenue. Uh, we're totally debt free and we're on great financial footing. That's what allows us to compete with all these billion dollar worldwide companies. Um, but we are a small business relative to those companies. You know, when you produce $6 billion in revenue a year, um, 49 million is your advertising budget. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, they, some of those companies sell more in a day than we sell in a year. Um, and that's just fine with us because at the end of the day, we have the paint in our, in, in our belief. Uh, the one thing no one can ever take away from Feral Kind is the fact that we sell a heck of a gallon of paint mm -hmm. and at the value you get for it, 
it can't be beat anywhere in the world. This is my opinion and my belief and my no, because I see the test. I see the backside of all this. Um, so that's where we compete. My grassroots system is I want to I want to be a part of organizations where they do support things like lobbying for small business. We're family owned. Family owned is important to like a chamber. I joined some other organizations where I do networking with other people where I get to every week explain who I am, what I do and what type of customer I'm looking for. And these people are like little sales reps and they run around and and uh, and they promote my pain as hard as I do because they believe in Jim Chapman and what I'm doing. I give back to my community. Uh, our company gives back to the community and we do that. Uh, the great thing about uh, paint, working for a paint company especially, is there's a lot of need for paint for like nonprofits. Um, they're always, always in the need of a paint coating. And we can, you know, that's something that we can supply um, and we do do that frequently. We wish we could do it with everybody. You got to be kind of careful because if you helped everybody you want to help, sometimes you'll help yourself right out of business. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately. So you you have you have but you know you have a certain amount that you can contribute to things like that. But we are extremely active with uh, with giving back to our community, especially here local in Livingston Parish. Well, you kind of jumped right into my you know next question is is being able to get involved in that community. So. Taking everything we've talked about today, you you know, brief overview of yourself, moving through your company, and then moving into yourself as someone who takes this very seriously, but at the same time, you love it, you enjoy it, you work through it. So the chamber contacts you and says, you've been nominated for Large Business of the Year and hands you an application. And, you know, you said that it, it, it kind of gave you a chance to step back and really think about these things as a company. You go to the meeting. This would have been Wednesday. We're recording this on Friday the 17th. That would have been Wednesday the 15th. You're not real sure if you're going to win or not. You bought a table, right? Decorated yes. it. You're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, April Weir, CEO of the chamber, starts reading off the things that you put down about Farrell Calhoun. I see you're smiling already. Calls your name. How does that feel? Short of, uh, and, I, and I say this with all honesty, and this is something I hope this podcast relays to everyone else of the, the importance of this short of my children being born short of, um, uh, you know, coming back after the flood, uh, not only did our business flood, but my, my personal home flooded and, uh, short of coming back from that, that was probably the best feeling I've ever had in my life. Um, when you're someone McHugh that every day you get up and you fight tooth and nail against some pretty large companies that have absolutely an unlimited check that they can, you know, they can buy business, they can do whatever they want. Um, all you have is the trust of your community. That day when that was uh, announced, the first thing that walked through my my or went through my mind was the people of this community trust me that much. It is uh, probably overpassionate. Some people might look at that and they might say, I mean, come on, you know, it meant the world to me because when you fight for 20 years to get that respect, you don't take it lightly. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I feel an enormous responsibility to live up to that. 
Um, I can't tell you how much it meant to me for the chamber to honor me that way because everybody in the chamber, I have an enormous amount of respect for. Um, Mr. Blunt does so much for this community uh, with the litter initiative. Uh, what he, he, you know, he's an excellent builder to start with. He did, he's a part of the litter initiative, uh, really came up with that concept. And he was honored at that same event. And uh, I was just proud to be, you know, in the same room with that man getting honored and myself and my company getting honored all at the same time. Um, but it, it goes beyond Mr. Blunt. There's so many people in there. Candy Forbes passing the gavel. Uh, you know, uh, I was honored to be a part of that. Um, everybody in that room, I respect. And these are, are peers of mine. And, uh, you know, for me to represent the large business of the year for Livingston Parish, to me, there's not much that can top that. Well, and as I told you, you know, I was standing there off to the side taking pictures. And, and I remembered when you were walking up, I said, I wonder if he knew. And then you turned around and had this giant smile on your face. And I said, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I, I, I caught that on camera. Like I told you, though, on the viewfinder, I'm never real sure if it's going to translate onto the screen. But it did. It did. And, and it, you know, it I, I knew nothing about it. Um, I had no idea uh, that I knew I was nominated. I knew I filled out the form uh, to qualify. And uh, and from there, I knew nothing else. April Wares at the Chamber did a great job of, of not, you know, keying me off to that. And that's the reason I accepted the award. And I just kind of, it was probably, for a guy that likes attention, it was probably the fastest I've ever got up and sat down in my life because I didn't even want to look up because I'm like, I don't want to pull a burrow here. <laughs> and that meant so much to me, man. I, I might have started tearing up had I looked up at the, at the crowd of people that were clapping for my company. And um, and so I kept my head down, zoned right back to my seat and sat down and just stared at it. And then I passed it around. I had I was fortunate. All the other guys, because it's not just me, everybody from Farrell Calhoun from the top down. I, there were seven other guys there. Uh, they represented our district manager here in Louisiana, uh, our regional sales manager that covers the entire southern region for us, uh, and, so, and other sales reps that cover this particular area. And I passed. I said, you know, pass it down. Let's all look at it. It was kind of like LSU touching the national championship trophy. Right. Um, so, Well, it was a big win for you guys, and we want to congratulate you on it. Thank you. We have appreciated listening to you today uh, talk about Farrell Calhoun Paint, talking about yourself and talking about that big win on Wednesday, January 17th, named Large Business of the Year for 2019 in Livingston Parish by the Livingston Parish Chamber. Again, Mr. Jim Chapman, who, as you said, you are uh, sort of a regional sales manager working through several uh, offices here in in. Uh, Louisiana, Southern Louisiana. And, uh, you know, but based here out of Denham Springs. And uh, we're fortunate to have you here in our community. So, again, want to thank you for joining us this morning. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Abs I enjoyed it. Absolutely. I enjoyed it as well. And uh, as, as someone said on the morning show, love your passion. And Thanks. you very clearly have a passion uh, for paint. And, and it shows and it, it, it's very much a culture at Farrell Calhoun. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for joining us. We do appreciate it. Uh, this has been the Livingston Parish Weekly Show. We got a chance to jump in with Jim Chapman, Farrell Calhoun Paint, talk about his company, talk about his big win. Uh, this will be running uh, hopefully Friday afternoon. We'll have a couple more coming to you over the weekend, trying to get back into a rhythm with things. And I appreciate him giving me a little bump and uh, coming coming on the show to get me back in the rhythm. One more time, my name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you joining us. Please check us out. We are on, on all podcast platforms. We also post the www.livingstonparishnews.com backslash podcast. We will check you out next time.